0: Yo, what's up, it's your boy L the love ambassador coming to you straight, live and direct. Yes, it's time for the blue sessions. <laughs> i up in the morning. I believe. So what you just heard there was the one and only Elmore James, considered to be one of the... I guess you could say pioneers of blues music after the post-war period. Now, he is a very, very interesting cat in the fact that he has influenced many of the modern-day musicians that you would listen to, right up to current pop stars that are playing anything on the guitar, uh, and also a pioneer in terms of um, the actual electronical development side of it. Uh, he basically invented his own amps and everything like that. So without further ado, let's start with Elmore James. All right, we're going to go to the old cheeky Wikipedia. I've done a bit of research and pretty much everyone says the same thing, so let's hit it up with Wiki. Elmore James was an American blues guitarist, singer, songwriter, and band leader. He's known as the king of the slide Guitar. For those of you that don't know what slide guitar is, the song that you just heard then was Dust My Broom. And when you hear the wah 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 that's basically slide. So the way it's done is the guy usually in the olden days would have like a, like a piece of glass or something on his finger. And as he's going up the frets of the guitar, he would literally slide it. And that's what would make the wailing sound. Uh, and he was, Elmore James was the one that sort of, He didn't start it, but he was one that you could argue came close to perfecting the technique. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1992. Uh, Like most blues musicians, uh, he was born in the South. Uh, He was born Elmore Brooks in Richland Holmes County, Mississippi, and was an illegitimate son of a 15-year-old Leola Brooks, a field hand. And his father was probably Joe Willis-Frost James. Who moved in with the Leola and Elmore took his surname? He began music making music at the age of twelve using a simple one-string instrument known as a diddly bow or jitterbug strung on a shack wall. So basically, just take a line and then just nail it and then would use that as a form of instrument. As a teen, he performed at dances under the names Cleanhead and Joe Willie James. He married Minnie May at about 1942. James was influenced by the legendary blues musician Robert Johnson, who will obviously do a uh, show on as well, Kokoma Arnold and Tampa Red. The song Dust My Broom actually is where many people contribute to Robert Johnson as one of his songs. Um, there are some that try to debate that it was actually Elmore James' song, but I'm kind of inclined to go with Robert Johnson on this one. But in any case, as you'll find out later on, uh, it was, uh, the song we played before was made famous and it was a hit for Elmore James as well. He recorded several of Tampa Red songs. He also inherited from Tampa Red Ben's two musicians who joined his own backing band known as the Broom Dusters, Little Johnny Jones on the piano and Oddie Payne on drums. Now, in the late 1930s, James worked alongside Sonny Boy Williamson II. The reason why he was Sonny Boy Williamson II was there actually was a Sonny Boy Williamson I who, um, let's just say, didn't make the best of uh, circumstances in his death. During World War II, James joined the United States Navy. He was enlisted in 1943 and was promoted to coax and took part in the invasion of Guam. Coxswain Wayne was... Um, the people that worked in the boats and also the people that steered the boats so uh in the invasion of guam it was obviously coral reefs and everything like that so they would invade the beaches it was the same as you see in the world war ii films uh with d-day how they kind of the soldiers and the boats and the guys are kind of um steering the men onto the beach under heavy fire and artillery or whatever the invasion of guam against the japanese was particularly brutal Um, so yeah, he would have uh, he would have seen a lot during his war years. Upon his discharge, he returned to central Mississippi and settled in the town of Canton. And his adopted brother Robert Holst, and with his adopted brother Robert Holston working in the electrical shop, he devised his unique electric sound using parts from the shop and unusual placement of the de- pickups. Around this time, James learned that he had a serious heart condition. So just going back to what I was saying in the opening, what made Elmore James interesting is the way that he actually got that distortion um, all through the genius of him actually creating his own things. And you see that throughout his music and why he had such a unique but yet almost very rough style. Um, and that's, for me, what I guess is the the appeal of Elmore James, is that it's just... Your yeah, ears are kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck's going on? But this is surprisingly awesome. Um, as would be a very popular song in the strip clubs, even down in Atlanta till today, he did a jam, Shake Your Money Maker. <laughs> So as you can see, what I was saying is a very kind of coarse sound that comes through, but that's what made it so raw. Uh, He started recording with trumpet records in nearby Jackson, Mississippi around 1951, first as a sideman again for Sonny Boy Williamson too, Uh, and then he kind of goes on to record Dust My Broom, which we played at the start, which in 1952 became a surprising hit. Um, He goes through sort of multiple record contracts and whatnot, but the one that sort of stands out is the Bahari Brothers, uh, through their scout, Ike Turner of the Ike Turner, Tina Turner fame. And during the 1950s goes uh, through multiple record companies still tied in with the Bahari Brothers. Uh, he plays lead guitar in Joe Turner's 1954 MB hit TV Mama. And in 1959, he begins recording for Bobby Robertson's Fire Records. Uh, and there he does a numerous amount of songs and whatnot. Um, So during the 50s, he's sort of nailing out hits and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, he's he's becoming kind of quite a staple musician. Um, So here's another example. (laughs) ¶¶ As you can see, right, this uh, standing at the crossroads was obviously the name of that jam. Now he did meet an early death um, from heart failure, which he he had always had problems with his heart around 1963, and that's before that he properly sort of took off. But I'm going to deviate for a moment. Um, and give a written explanation by George Adams, who is a Belgian blues fan who was taken to the Chicago um, blues clubs, which, I, as I said in, I think, one of the previous episodes in Freddie King, the South Side, before it became freaking mental and shy uh, had a really burgeoning blues scene in the sort of 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe even up to more recent than that. And here's an explanation of Elmore James playing live. To be honest, I'm trying to find live footage of him, and it's kind of tricky. So let's go. Elmore will always remain the most exciting, dramatic blues-singing guitarist that I've ever had a chance to see perform The Flesh. On our way, we listened to him on the radio as Big Bill Hill was broadcasting direct from the place. I was burning to see Elmore James, and before we pushed open the door of the club, we could hear Elmo's violent guitar sound. Although the place was overcrowded, we managed to find a seat close to the bandstand, and the blues came falling down on me, as it had never done before. Watching Elmore sing and play, backed by a solid blues band, Homesick James, J.T. Brown, bought Atkins in St. Castle, made me feel real fine. Wearing thick glasses, Elmer's face always had an expressive and dramatic look, especially when he was real gone in the slow blues. seeing so he was strong and rough voice. He really didn't need a mic. On slow blues, as I'm worried, make my dreams come true, it hurts me. His voice reached a climax and crowded attention that was unmistakably the down-and-out blues. Notwithstanding the raw voice, Elmore sang his blues the particular feeling, and emotion and depth that showed his country background. His singing was fed, reinforced by his own guitar accompaniment, which was as rough, violent and expressive as was his voice. Using the bottleneck technique most of the time, bottleneck refers to the... Why that he's playing the guitar with like a kind of bottleneck on his finger to play the slide. As I'd never heard a guitar sound before, you could just couldn't sit still. You had to move. Adam also witnessed James at the Alex Club on the west side of Chicago, where he always played for a dance audience and made the people jump. Bobby's Rock was at the time one of my favourite numbers of the crowd. Elmer used to play it for 15 minutes or more. You just couldn't stand that hysteric sound coming down on you. The place was rocking and swinging. Now, he went on to influence many, many people. Uh, the list, to be honest with you, is fucking huge. And, um, <laughs> it's, but I'll give you, uh, you know, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones. Keith Richards wrote that when they first met, J- Jones was calling himself Elmo Lewis and wanted to be Elmore James. Canned Heat, Fleetwood Mac, John Mayle, Almond Brothers, Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, Albert King, George Thorgood, uh, e, Jimi Hendrix, I mean, even with Jimi Hendrix, you can hear a lot of Elmore James's um, style and techniques in the way that um, Jimi Hendrix plays, and especially when he gets that wah-wah-wah-wah-wah-wah going, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely living amongst him. Um, it also, uh, famously, the Beatles mentioned him in the song For You Blue. While John Lennon evokes James' signature sound with a Hofner 5140 Hawaiian standard lap steel guitar, George Harrison says, Elmore James got nothing on this baby. Well, George Harrison, honestly, I like you, mate, but I disagree with um, you saying that, because Elmore James would have smoked you motherfuckers. And uh, look, sorry, it's coming out of me, but I'm a big Stones fan. Stones! Uh, Frank Zappa, I also acknowledged it, and Roy Bucken and, and many more. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, Elmore James met his uh, death um, early due to a heart attack, just before he really sort of took off. Um, the headstone King of Sly guitar is resting above his um, resting place, and uh, there's also a bronze relief of James playing guitar was revealed at a dedication ceremony sponsored by the Matt Zion Memorial Fund. In 2012, he was honored with a marker on the Mississippi Blues Trail in Ebenezer. And on 25th of June 2019, the New York Times Magazine listed Elmore James among hundreds of artists whose materials were probably destroyed the 2008 Universal Fire, which was a fire that took out a lot of um, raw recordings, which yeah, we can get into that another day. Uh, I'll, I'll just finish this podcast with saying that um, for me it was uh, always a fact that he was unique, Elmore James. And blues music to me isn't about being down and out, it's just the... It's like, fuck, it's just the uplifting, you know? It's like, yeah, something's going on, but fuck it, that's the bad bit. Now it's time to to move up. And Elmore James's energy and the rawness and the distortion and the emotion in his voice, to me, it just captivates me. And um, it's part of the reason why I do this blues series because, you know what, even if one person tunes in like I always say if one person tunes in to this podcast and starts listening to Elmore James on Spotify or YouTube and then starts spreading the word then I mean fuck I'd be I'd be a happy lad indeed. I'm gonna leave you with a little couple of more tunes, but uh let's have a listen to Strange Kind of Feeling with the old Elmore. <laughs> You I'm just going to leave it with Fuck yeah, we love you, Elmore James And that's the Blue Series episode 3 Stay tuned for uh, Well, I'll be away next uh, weekend But I'll try and put something cheeky through When I can Maybe do it on a uh, Friday or Thursday night. Who knows? Who knows? Because the Blues has got to continue. Yuppie yopey.